Welcome to House of David Ministries. I'm Pastor Eric Michael Teitelman. Join me as we learn about the rich heritage of our Christian faith. In each episode, we explore a unique topic that will deepen your knowledge of Christ and who we are as His people. In this episode, we're going to talk about the root of division in the nation and the ministry of healing and reconciliation that God has given to the church. It should be obvious to anyone reading the news that the world is becoming more divisive. Now, some would argue that the earth has always experienced conflict, and this is probably true. But it only proves that humanity continues to go through cycles of self-destructive behavior that has ultimately led to major national and international conflicts. The question is, are we in that same place today? A new survey from the Pew Research Center reveals that political polarization in the United States has reached a dangerous extreme. And 150 years earlier, during the 1850s, America had become deeply polarized over geopolitical territories. The South was pro-slavery, while the North was mainly abolitionist. But the division was much deeper, as there was plenty of racism and segregation in the North as well. The nation was also divided over political ideologies, with the Northern Republican Party favoring a stronger union that could wield even greater power at the federal level, and a predominantly Southern Democrat Party that emphasized the rights of individual states to self-govern and create and enforce their own laws. Sadly, the American Civil War in the end was not exclusively fought around biblical or constitutional principles of emancipation. It was fought over economic and political power centers, those who would control the destiny of this young nation. The Civil War broke out in 1861 when Confederate States of America, 11 Southern states, seceded from the Union following the election of President Abraham Lincoln a year earlier. The vote was labeled an act of war by some Southern politicians who believed the newly elected president would send Union troops into the South to retain military control over the Union. The end of the Civil War brought about many civil rights bills from 1866 to 1875, eventually paving the way for the historic landmark bill of 1964 and the provisions of the post-Civil War Federal Rights Act in 1983. So some would argue that slavery had not only ended in America, but the injustice brought about by enslaving 12 million Africans had been appropriately mitigated. Well, not so. The end of slavery only perpetuated the extreme level of poverty already inflicted upon our African-American brothers and sisters. And the passing of these laws did not resolve the racial division in this nation between blacks and whites. Justice may have been served, but reconciliation was not. Now, you might be thinking that I'm trying to give us a history lesson on the Civil War. Actually, not at all. I'm trying to illustrate that the Civil War and the polarization that preceded it represented man's way of dealing with division. The outcome of this division left a trail of death and destruction that nearly destroyed this country. Now, I'm not suggesting that conflict and even war are not necessary times to resolve tyranny. But as Christians, we need to be asking this question. 
How does God want us to deal with injustice in this world? First, we need to understand that injustice is rooted in division. And all division exists because mankind has allowed sin to separate God and man. Our sin and subsequent separation from God has given root for the division to sprout and flourish within God's creation. God is indivisible, and mankind, created in the image of God, was intended to walk in the Garden of Eden in perfect union with Him, with no division at all. Adam also walked in perfect union with Eve and coexisted in perfect harmony with the animals and the whole of creation until their fall. Once again, the root of division, including racial division, and the origin of its resulting injustice is attributed to man's sinful nature. So we now live in a spiritually fallen world where God is concealed and separated from humanity. And the result of this spiritual condition will always lead to further division, hostility, and inevitable conflict. So here's another question. Can a man-made solution resolve a spiritual problem? Absolutely not. And to confirm this point, God chose the nation of Israel and brought us out of slavery from Egypt. There in the Sinai wilderness, he gave us his perfect law. If the law of Moses could have created an ideal society where all 12 tribes of Israel lived in blissful harmony, the new covenant and Christ's sacrifice on the cross would not have been necessary. The prophet Jeremiah said in chapter 17, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The law of Moses could not fix the heart of man. Only the Lord, through the indwelling presence and transforming power of His Holy Spirit, can redeem our souls. We're now going to explore several biblical passages that shed light on God's viewpoint about justice. We read in Psalm 89, it says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. This verse reveals God's standard of justice and righteousness, which are mercy and truth. We read in Leviticus chapter 19, You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. In righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. This verse delegates God's standard of justice and righteousness for mankind to uphold. And like Christ, we also are to be full of compassion, gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in mercy and truth. From these two passages, we can conclude that God's justice and righteousness work together as an indivisible unit that establishes a foundation for His kingdom. Conversely, Injustice would be defined as a treating or judging someone unrighteously. And because man is sinful by nature, we are also unjust and unrighteous by nature. So therefore, how can a wicked person create or establish a righteous and just foundation for the kingdom of God? We cannot. Slavery, racial segregation, socioeconomic division, anti-Semitism, misogyny, these are all forms of division and injustice caused by man's sinful nature. When Christ died on the cross for our sins, he not only justified us before God, he also imputed his righteousness to us. 
in Christ, we are now seen by God as both just and righteous. But he does so only because God is just and righteous, and Christ now dwells within us. So we, the church, should have no excuse for allowing division within God's household. This division has caused injustice for God's people. The church needs to be unified and indivisible with one another, just as Christ is unified and indivisible with his heavenly Father. Yeshua said in John 17, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and I have loved them as you have loved me. So here is the answer to the question we've been asking. How does God want us to deal with injustice in this world? Well, he wants us to reconcile it through the cross. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. When we view injustice through the eyes of Yeshua, we understand the root of injustice is attributed to man's sinful nature. And the solution to injustice is not more laws or more incarceration for breaking those laws. The answer to man's sinful nature is Christ's propitiation on the cross and the indwelling power of his Holy Spirit to redeem and transform our wicked souls. If God was reconciling the world to himself by forgiving our trespasses, meaning he was removing the division between God and man by forgiving our sin, then we should also reconcile the world to God by forgiving those who have trespassed against us. After all, we are told that God has committed to the church the word of reconciliation. It is now our ministry. Forgiveness does not condone injustice. On the contrary, our forgiveness reconciles unjust men to be reconciled to a just God who died on the cross for their transgressions. Reconciliation is God's spiritual solution to a man-made problem. When we forgive, we also open the door for repentance. And notice the order of God's reconciliation with mankind. We read in Romans chapter 5, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God did not wait for mankind to repent first to be reconciled to himself. Christ died for us while we were still sinful and unrepentant, and he forgave our sins so that we might then repent and be reconciled back to God. We read in Matthew chapter 4, From that time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So therefore, we also must not wait for mankind to repent for us to administer God's word of reconciliation. We are, in fact, obligated to forgive first with the anticipated hope that our fellow man will in turn repent and be reconciled back to God and then to man. Yeshua said in Luke chapter 23, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. If we do not forgive, we have been warned. We read in Matthew chapter 6, 
For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. And in chapter 18, we read, Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. So in summary, reconciliation is the act of forgiveness that leads to repentance. And ultimately, it leads to the removal of our sinful nature that has caused division and injustice within God's creation. Reconciliation is a process that takes time. We must forgive one person at a time, allowing that person to receive the forgiveness and become healed by the Holy Spirit of any offense we have carried in our hearts. So let me close by sharing with you a personal story of forgiveness. Being that I'm Jewish, I'm sure you can appreciate the hatred I have felt towards the Nazis because of the Holocaust. And there would have been no rational justification to forgive them for committing such atrocities against God's chosen people. But in April 2006, the Lord gave me a dream about forgiveness. And in the dream, my wife and I were walking towards a small group of people. I looked at a short, stocky German woman and asked her where I could find a Jew. She rolled up her sleeve and pointed to a swastika on her arm, saying, I am a Nazi. Rather than getting angry, I felt compassion and sympathy for the woman. I leaned over and kissed her twice on the forehead, saying, I forgive you. This dream, I believe, demonstrates the Lord's desire for reconciliation, even amongst the most hateful enemies. And I pray that we, the church, come together with indivisible unity that demonstrates God's mercy by forgiving all who have trespassed against us. And in this demonstration of divine unity that we might lead men to repentance and into the kingdom of God. So therefore, let us shine with the righteousness of Christ before God walking in his love and obedience to his commandments, and most significantly, the commandment to be ministers of his reconciliation. Amen. If you have enjoyed this teaching from House of David Ministries, make sure you subscribe to our channel and don't forget to visit our website where you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. We pray the Lord richly bless you and we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode.